0: Gaming NBS, episode 234, being recorded March 18th, 2019. Welcome to Gaming NBS, tabletop RPG podcast.
1: I'm Sean, and I'm Brett. Welcome to the show, folks. Hope you're all feeling way better than I am.
0: Brett's in a pissy, pissy mood.
1: I'm just physically sick. Pissy and mood
0: and sick.
1: I'm sick of being sick.
0: That so, I can completely
1: relate to. That's the thing that gets you. Yeah. Yeah. Like, being when you're sick, sick for a couple days, it kind of this blows, man. It'll go away though. Yeah. Day five, you're like, this is my life now so brett and i, I made made forever. out
0: made out a gary con and this is the result
1: i mean there wasn't even a lot of making out it was just like barely <laughs> it wasn't even that much yeah it was
0: just uh <sighs> rude yeah. rude yeah. yeah wasn't even the uh, didn't even go the limit i know yeah the thing is, is you take off a couple days of work and you're like okay well I'll get some rest and then you don't feel like, like oh, I could probably read a book or something or, you know, I don't know, do something that's relaxing. You don't even feel like doing any of that shit either.
1: No, I slept a lot this last weekend. It was, it was supposed to be a shit ton of cool stuff going on this weekend. It was my wife's birthday and St. Patrick's Day. and So we toughed it out. She was She's t- still coming down from whatever she picked up by Carrie Conn.
0: Oh, so she got it there, too? Oh, yeah, she got oh, hit God.
1: harder first. She was, like, brutally out, and she normally has... Like mommy immune system, where you know children bring bring home the black death, and she's like, ah, shrugged that shit off. What's that? Cancer? Fuck that, and just walks away from it, you know. But yeah, this took her down. It's all those
0: different strains everybody brings in off the plane.
1: Yeah. So my my fear was this would hit me, and when this hits me, I usually I get this type of sick. My voice sounds like I smoke Marlboros and break the filters off, and then uh, I pick up the hacking cough, which is great because it feels like I have pulled all the muscles in my chest and back and broken blood vessels in my eyes the last couple of days from coughing so hard, racking my poor frame. It's very painful. But anyway, enough about my pathetic illness.
0: Yeah, that's all we're talking about recently is just the virus. The virus, yes. The virus that's going
1: around. And that that this is how this this is our intro because eventually folks this will turn into Brett and Sean How to Survive the uh, <laughs> the zombie apocalypse. Because this was the start, right? This is a, a vector thing. This is Sean and Brett fighting off the first bits of the virus after this. We'll give you guys hints and tips on how to survive. Anyway, Sean, um, let's talk about something much more fun. Announcements. Um, awesome dice still going down. We still got that?
0: Yeah, awesomedice.com. Um if you go to awesomedice.com and Uh, Put in an order and use the promo code GAMINGBS. As long as you place an order $10 or more, you'll get 15% off using that promo code. If you'd like to enter a drawing to win a set of awesome dice, go to GamingNBS.com, enter your email on our homepage of our website, and you'll be automatically be entered to win a drawing at the end of the month for a free set of dice.
1: Cool. You know, I should probably get a hold of Brandon over at Awesome Dice because uh, Evercon, our 20th anniversary is this next year, and I've got a uh, hankering for some special dice. So, yeah. To give out to certain people and so on. So,
0: there Might you go. Might have yeah.
1: to do that. All yeah. right. So, um, other than the Awesome Dice thing is still rolling, I'm sick. You're feeling better.
0: I'm feeling like yeah. a champ.
1: I know you are. You sound good. <laughs> you look good, John. You look good. Oh, thanks. Um, do, do, do we should mention um, just as at the top so we don't forget? But uh, Larry DiTilio has passed away, yep. uh, and I will admit I had no idea who the hell that was. I'm like, huh? Well, I didn't know either. Well, you, you I know, did, ironically enough, because of your recent involvement. <laughs> it was but weird. Went, oh my god, this is the guy who wrote Massive North Yeah so what's happened is and we'll talk about this spoiler in later in the show but sean has picked up call cthulhu and now a call cthulhu adventure writer has passed away i'm i don't know where to place the blame but i've got an idea of where to start anyway um it is so, oddly coincidental oddly coincidental and jokes aside though that it yeah. it sucks because larry was not an old gentleman that's our i i have played through not through excuse i have died part way into that adventure twice And uh, it's a hell of a good game. It's a hell of a good adventure. It's considered by many to be the best of all RPG uh, campaigns ever written. I've Mm -hmm. heard that from the lips of more than one person. So, pretty cool stuff. And uh, our uh, condolences to Larry, his friends and family, and uh, those who knew him obviously way better than Sean and I. It sucks to lose somebody so talented. So alright then let's move on uh, boy we had Brett sick Um, talented (laughs) RPG writer dies at least we're giving away dice you know what let's random encounter it up man let's do that
0: alright the encounter that is random
1: this one seems is
0: anything really random
1: maybe it should be bananas destiny That that felt random
0: destiny encounter
1: could be destiny bananas see I said bananas twice that's kind of random that's well, awkward. I don't know. It's awkward.
0: Not in this not in this dimension.
1: No, that's true. I, I Yeah, that's true. I'll read this one. Email from Judge Brandon. Hello. I recently started listening to the podcast that came from the DCC but stayed for the BS and wanted to answer your question about actual play recordings. I'm not a huge fan of actual play, but I keep trying to get into it. One example that I actually do like is the episode of Tuesday Night Podcast about the game Mothership. First of all, the audio quality has to be excellent for me to listen to actual play, and this example has great recording and even has music that sets the mood. Most of the gameplay sounds like an audio drama, but they interrupt with the voiceover to explain rules or what is actually happening when the players wouldn't know what is happening. I like this mashup of styles. And it doesn't ruin the flow like most rules explaining does. Thanks for the podcast, especially the DCC stuff, and I'd, like to, uh, I'd love to hear some actual play of The Streets of Avalon. Wow, dude, you can download that shit. Um,
0: Apparently, Judge Brandon is not aware of the
1: yeah Wednesday evening podcast all stars. So you go to misdirected mark. I'll put a link in the show notes for you in case um, you need that. But yeah, Brandon, if you want to, there is a Streets of Avalon actual play out there right now that you could download. So
0: with Brett as the game master, yeah,
1: exactly, and I don't sound quite so shitty in it. So but right. I'll, put, I'll put a link down there. Well,
0: he, he doesn't sound with the raspy voice shitty. Oh, thank you. hey
1: hey man, it's to get the spirit up. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can't punch you back because I'm so sick right now. All right, your turn.
0: Comment from Crim Fan on the websites: Zones are used in a lot of games. Realistically, realistically speaking, D and D ran that way for a long time. Given that many people weren't using minis, A.K.A. Theater of the Mind, a pretentious term if I ever heard one. Wow. There's a lot of pretentious terms in role playing games. You know, <laughs> you know what's interesting is
1: that I've never thought of it as pretentious. It's one of those terms I know people argue they hate NPC. They think it should be something else, or whatever. I think it's one of those terms that I don't know where it came from, but I think we're stuck with it now.
0: <laughs> what else would it? What else? What else would there be?
1: Like no miniatures? I don't know. Sans minis sans minis the miniless yeah that
0: isn't pretentious
1: (laughs) (laughs) i'm running sans minis
0: sans minis hello buffet
1: (laughs) exactly well
0: are you running that sans
1: minis (laughs) i am indeed we could yeah we could we could totally make this worse anyway curb fan um you know now that you mentioned it it is kind of a pretentious term (laughs) but i think we're stuck with it man anyway carry on
0: uh uh er, you weren't using minis and thus weren't tracking clear ranges. The Modifius Games Conan is it Conan or Conan?
1: Conan. I'll let you be the judge. I don't know. It depends who you want to talk to. I
0: don't know. Robert E. Howard's not here to clarify.
1: Another one died too soon. Anyway, carry
0: yeah. On. Too soon. All right. Modifius Games Conan and Star Trek Adventures both use zones. There are a lot of other ones. So GMs as players. I do think there's something really good about the players not knowing tons about the rules, as as there's nothing like genuine surprise. That said, I have mostly run for groups where many or even all of the players have been GMs. This can be good because you have to have I cannot read tonight. This can be good because you have to up your game, which can in turn really improve your GMing. In my view, having previously GM'd primarily exacerbates bad player tendencies that can exist in someone's someone who's never run. This is true in many areas of life. Doctors are the toughest patients. Teachers are the worst students. Musicians and actors are the hardest, harshest audience. A shoe man's what is it? Shoe
1: man's kids go sh- Cow- shoes. Cobbler's kids. Cobbler's sh- children.
0: Shoe man's re- shoe repair man shoes.
1: Are the worst It's because he's <laughs> tired of doing the work for everybody else and doesn't want to do it for himself this different problem the
0: shoe man re, the sh- repair yeah sho-
1: it's, it's the shoe man group it's much like the blue man group when shoe they throw man shoes group. how about we just try to stick to the text here let's go Ex the problems that emerge
0: we're on borrowed time with brad anytime he's just gonna roll over and
1: <laughs> snap <laughs>
0: the, the end will be well that's the end of Game in bs anyways Well, at least the end of B. Oh, Uh, oh, hey. All right. Sounds like I got replacements. I know. I'm like, hey, taking auditions tomorrow. The problems that emerge are ones that can emerge for someone who's never run before, but a person who's GM has a lot more gaming experience, potential system mastery, and a perspective of having been there before, and thus the ability to make comparisons. Sometimes ones that are, in fact, detrimental or may well be threatening in that person's self-image. For instance, thinking, Wow, this person is so much better than me at running combats and handling dialogue, coming up with cool encounters, can take the player who GMs down a peg, whereas a person who doesn't GM at all probably won't even think about that point. Different variations of meta thinking are a huge issue, which you guys focused on. I think one really needs to shift strategy when you're running for a group that has many prior GMs being careful not to overuse too many tropes and cliche. The player needs to stop referencing their inner monster manual though. It can be tough to surprise the players, especially with things like bog standard monsters or traps fighting and fighting with plot hooks and are constantly wandering off. Isn't just a GM, uh, as player problem, I've played with some folks who just can't seem to get past that. You guys didn't talk too much about the issue of backseat GMing, but I've encountered that too. The kind of currently playing GM who is just trying to help, for instance, or undermines the game in other ways, for instance, by pulling out new games during the middle of the existing campaign. With great, well, great-ish, power comes a fairly basic responsibility, the responsibility not to be a dick. Oh, and I'm still thinking of how to do a chase mechanic.
1: Very cool. Yeah, backseat GMing, we kind of hinted at, I think, when we talked about rules lawyering, because honestly I see rules lawyers as backseat GMs, at least the worst of your rules lawyers. They're basically trying to GM over the top of whoever the game master or DM or whatever um, seat that, that person happens to hold. But, yeah, you're right. Good points, though, Crimfan. Very good. As always, thank you.
0: Yeah. Thanks, Crimfan. All right. theater of the mind, <laughs> Crimfan. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, Matt V uh, comments in. Great point on the playtest. I think it's best if you have a finished product that you are sending out to playtest. That's what Paizo did. They even actually sold the playtest. <laughs> Great monetization. Which I on it, So, as a quick aside, I can't believe anybody fucking paid money. For that, I actually I can't. You, paid, I paid for you, that
0: and the first song
1: Did you pay for Pathfinder two? No, I didn't. The hardcover for fifty dollars. Was that's it not that really, much? That's that's not even the real book yet. Because, oh my god, I. It just blew my mind. I'm like, who? What? Anyway, just because Brett can't believe it doesn't mean other people think it was a great idea. It was just like, holy shit! I it shocked, it shocked me, shocked me. It did. Anyway. So everyone would have a playable game pretty close to out the door, but the finalized product may take six months to a year. It should be very clearly communicated through absolutely if that's what you're doing, which to be clear and to give credit back, like just, again, just because Brett didn't understand what Pizza did, they were very clear saying, hey, this is a playtest, new thing's coming. If you buy this, it ain't going to be the second edition. It's not going to be the first edition. It's going to be the playtest version, right? So you bought it with very clear expectation that it was not. The final game.
0: You yes, knew what, but you, you, you knew could knew weigh you in. Into. You
1: could yes, weigh you could. in. There, you, right? Yeah. But you knew what you were getting into when you bought it, which is the whole piece that um, we talked about last time that Matt is bringing back up. So, anyway, the problem with playtest feedback for RPGs is that they take forever to get back. I think that's a massive reason why high level, <coughs> excuse me, slash power with most games really fall apart. They never really got playtested very heavily. And playing a character too high level is much different than making a high level character unless you do some kind of tribe playtest, you're probably only playtesting 20 or so builds and likely not even at every level. That's pretty generous uh, for most small publishers. I haven't read Tribes, but I've heard it recommended so many times before from different places. I guess I should. On Matt Martinez's point about on RPG campaign updates. Shadowrun has several missions written where you fail for doing something explicitly stated. I never consider that a design flaw. You did something dumb, you fail because of it. You should see it being more problematic in a DD game or something where the players don't expect that outcome. But I've never seen it as an issue in Shadowrun. It makes perfect sense in the setting with what you're doing being Shadowrunners. Sometimes you may be able to betray the side you're supposed to work for, but if you can't stop, if you can't stop the wipe in time you won't even learn the other side a lot of time there may be dire consequences for such a foolish action like loss of the johnson or the mob working against you of course fail missions more often in Shadowrun compared to a game like D, where you actually only fail if you die so wonder if that affects his the mentality um matt i think i disagree with you on that so you can fail in D without dying you're supposed to save the prince you don't you failed you're supposed to, you know, destroy the lich. You don't. You failed. Call Cthulhu's like that, or it can be too. I mean, you're supposed to do something, and if you don't, the uh, Cthulhu rises. Really, ah, uh, the ocean thing pops up, and he destroys the world, and everybody's dead. But is you he failed. talking?
0: But is he talking about failure, as in the the Matt? Mar- what did Matt propose? Matt, Matt like, asked you, about a design You open the box.
1: Yeah, they fucked up a drive, wiped it, and uh, therefore you. The, it, it says you failed. If the if the players disturb this thing in any way, that they, they wreck everything and they fail, basically, is what Matt had said was written into the adventure, and I think that's a fucked-up design flaw. I don't care what genre it's for. It's a bad design flaw. If that's a thing the players do, right, <clears throat> I think the larger point is that if you design a thing and you specifically state... If they break this thing, they have lost. They break this thing. They fail. There's nothing else to do. Take the rest of these 500 pages and light them on fire. You can't play the rest (laughs) of this adventure. That's a design flaw.
0: Well, well, there there isn't a lose, win, lose, in role-playing games, is my understanding. Otherwise, I'd be playing board games. Right? I mean, is isn't that the deal? Dunno. I mean... One could say that the character succeeds in a particular <clears throat> fashion or
1: fails in a particular you get one fashion. Chapter in, you get one chapter into the adventure, and then you failed. You can't go any further You not Nothing happens. You, the whole world you, stops. Yeah, because you crack the, the case, the adventure's gone. It's done. So, yeah, the adventure's over. Well. That's what Matt was saying.
0: That was what Matt was putting out here.
1: Yeah. was saying, look, if you He actually the,
0: sent me who that was.
1: If you design the thing, and it specifically states, hey- if, you, if they do this, everything's over. You're building in a you lose in a role-playing game, which to yeah. your point, Sean, is completely fucked up. Yeah. I would see saying, well, if the players do that, then, then they broke it, and here's what you're going to have to do to retrofit the rest of this adventure because it kind of hinges on them not breaking it. Right. Or something, but... Anyway. they
0: still gotta deliver it. The seal's broken. Why is the seal broken? Now you gotta answer for the why the seal's broken.
1: Yeah, something. I mean, it just right. it just feels odd to me. Yeah. Now granted, that is not to say that Matt is wrong, dumb, stupid, bad gamer. If if Matt looks at that and says, Hey man, that Shadowrun brother, that's just how it works. Right. That's my example by my buddy Lenny in Call of Cthulhu. He does not care if he fails the library roost the library use check doesn't find the spell that takes to Sagawa. And banishes him. And then at at the time when the bad guys summon Sagwa and he shows up and starts eating people and they can't put him down because they don't have the spell that he failed to find five sessions ago. He's like, yep, that's Cthulhu. It's nihilism. It happens. We all die. Whatever. Not everybody likes that. It's Cthulhu. (laughs) Yeah. But again, not everybody likes that. Right. So. I, I get what Matt's saying, and uh, I disagree, but that doesn't mean that what Matt's doing is wrong. And if his crew and he like that stuff, I you know, all for it, man. That's good stuff. Yeah. Anyway, I uh, your turn,
0: Peter Skates. Oh, excuse me, Peter Skates on Zones, oh, Zones. Hey guys, Conan D two D twenty, and I assume most Modiphius two D twenty games use zones for action. Zones are not defined by size or distance generally, but by geographic limitations on terrain. Example from the book is rooms in a building would be different zones, and a couple that comes to mind would be PCs on a hilly rise would be in a different zone than the ones below, or ambushes in the forest are in a different zone from targets in the roadway, etc. Also, zones that are easier to move through will be larger than those comprised of difficult terrain all this is from a quick read and playing one 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 shot so i may have it completely wrong all the best peter
1: that's good stuff man i think the more peter and uh, others have explained zones i'm i get it more now it's just not something that i've i've, I've not if i've read it i've not read it as such before so anyway this is this is good stuff
0: i've played star trek adventures i i mean it's been was a few sessions, you know, and zones only comes into play when it's appropriate. So I don't recall a lot of the nuances
1: of zones. I guess but. I've never had a game master state you're in the room zone. You're the in the forest zone. zone. You're in the hallway zone. I've never called that way. you You're in the spin way. zone. No, I've never had that. I've had you can't do that there in a hall, you're in the room. Oh, I have to go to the hall to engage the hallway stuff. Yes, you have to go to the hall to engage the hallway stuff. That's natural. I've done that in vampire games and D and D and other things like no theater of the mind. You can't be, you can't interact with the people who are in, you know, the priest, the priest's room. If you happen to be in the foyer, you can't right? because you're not in the same area. So I just have never called them zones. The more this description or definition hits me, the more I'm like, oh, I have done that stuff. Was well, it meta instinctively? Isn't it in meta,
0: right? Oh, well, yeah, I guess. Kind of cool though.
1: Alright, who else have we got here? We got a voicemail from Kojo. He's back. He's back.
2: Brett and Sean. Hey, it's Kojo. Hey, it was great seeing you guys at Gary GaryCon. It was a blast. Uh, my son went for the first time. He's thirteen. He had a great time. And uh games me under the table. <laughs> Anyways, the uh episode you guys did on do DMs make good players. It was a great episode. I enjoyed it, as always. I can't speak for anybody else, but I know that for myself, as I am usually the game master, I would say 95% of the time, and if I do play, it's mostly just at con. I can definitely tell you that I do not make a good player. I find that I get bored easily as a player, unless the GM is super engaging. I feel limited by what's on my character sheet. I know that doesn't make a lot of sense because I encourage my players to think outside the box and come up with crazy things to do with their characters and and they often do. But for some reason I I get in a situation I'm very much like thinking, know, yeah, I wish I could do more than this, this or this." And uh but then I find I'm not very creative at coming up with what those other things are to be. I don't know why there's a disconnect because as a game master, I I think I'm very creative and I'm very good at adjusting on the fly and I'm very good at thinking outside the box. So for some reason, you put that character sheet in front of me and all of a sudden I feel like there's limitations on what I can do. And I just honestly don't know why that is. But uh, your episode gave me a lot to think about. All right, guys, we'll talk to you later.
1: <laughs> the, hey. Kojo has a lot of the same problems the rest of us have. <laughs> give it give it
0: up for Kojo for Amen. Man, big. Self self recognition, man.
1: It is interesting where um I teach martial arts and um I have for, for many for a couple decades now. And there's things I, I work with my students on, and I'm like, I'll be working a kick with them and I'll look one of my students in the eye and say, I suck at this. And they look at me shocked. I'm like, no, this is a hard, very difficult kick. I do not do all well with it. Allow me to demonstrate there. See, I'm not very good at this. I've been doing this for almost 30 years. I keep practicing. I keep trying. I'm not very good at it. So for some reason I've been able to like click my brain in my martial arts world where I can teach and learn, same time it all works out. But for some reason, when I get the game master screen in front of me and I step on the other side of the screen, you're like, oh, I feel so limited. Oh, geez, oh god, how come I'm this? Oh, how come? well there's nothing I can do? But <laughs> Like what if I was on the other side of the screen right now I'd be like no Brett come on come on there's lots you can do what would you like to do I'd be like coaxing me or whatever and, and then I don't know if it's yeah I don't know if I'm what the total deal is but no good job on you Kojo for seeing it and whatnot it's a it's a it's a it's a skill it's a totally different skill and I think it's worth it's worth practicing and cultivating to become a better player because good players are fucking awesome you want good players at your table if you could be both a good player and a good game master, man, that's that's like double threat, man. That's cool stuff.
0: That's what we call being self aware.
1: Yeah, I think good player, good game master of equal levels. That's that's like pulling a Kelly. He just not everybody can do that. What? <laughs> I'm propping you up, a little man. Propping oh, okay. Oh,
0: yeah, hey, man. Thanks, yeah.
1: dude. I was running it down off the months right. earlier because I'm crappy and tired. <laughs> trying to make you feel better now. Oh,
0: okay. Starting feel down now. I feel okay. I feel Whoa. pretty good
1: about myself now. Feel pretty good now. All right.
0: Yeah, you should take some of this.
1: <laughs> Shall we?
0: Our main topic.
1: You ready? <laughs> All right. So I feel like shit, as I said. So I wanted to. I want to ask you on this before when you announced it. And um, he's, he posted on Twitter that he bought the books and whatever. So yeah. Sean's, Sean's taking an interest in Call of Cthulhu. I, I'd mm-hmm. like to believe that my running trailer Cthulhu for him was a gateway into larger and greater things. Totally. Maybe, I, maybe I totally cracked open the third eye just a little bit. But okay. the boys who ran him through, the whole team who ran him through the uh, Gatsby and the Great Race, they pulled a whammy on him. I think he's got a shot, uh, sh- you know, sh- insect of Shaggy in his skull at this point. So we're going to do a little trafination later. Um but anyway, Sean's getting into Call of Cthulhu. As a matter of fact, you bought the rules. I did. Have you started reading them yet? I did. So what I want to do, Sean, was get you out of your It Depends and uh, see if we can find out.
0: But they fit so well. I know they do.
1: <laughs> so what what makes you, I mean... So I, I'm not looking for a pat in the back or anything like that. Obviously, I'm joking. But what? <laughs> ha, how, how experienced were you with Cthulhu stuff before this game, my game, and any con-type events? Have you run it before or played it before?
0: Well, I have Trail of Cthulhu. I have had that before you even ran your game. That's
1: right. right you did. Yeah, yeah, I remember that now. Yes, you have said that. I can't remember who ran it for you. Nobody. You. No, just me. Yeah, I never ran. I've never been. Well, oh, I, I thought you I mean, had somebody. I thought you ran a. No,
0: Royce, so. Royce Thigpen from Game Hole Con. Mm-hmm. He's one of the, the Game Hole Con guys. ran it at a role playing game day at a local game store. He ran Call of Cthulhu.
1: Were you involved in that?
0: I was. And okay. I think that was maybe sixth edition. It, it, I definitely wasn't seventh. Um, and I don't remember the adventure, but it was like, you know, a. Maybe it was, I don't think it was even four hours. Okay. I don't your... recall. So that was kind of the little taste. I think that was like the very first time I'd ever played Call of Cthulhu.
1: So you were like in your 30s or 40s when that hit.
0: Well, you. Not, yeah. I mean, it was.
1: I'm saying well, it's, it was recent, game, it's, it's fairly recent in your. Well, in Game your Hulk life.
0: Con is going on, what? Game Hole Con 7. So it's been within the first last seven years.
1: Oh, wow. That's pretty cool.
0: And then I got Trail of Cthulhu. Mm-hmm. Just getting that because of Brett was talking about book hounds, the gumshoe system intrigued me, Cthulhu intrigued me a little bit, mm-hmm. so I bought that, and then Brett ran yeah. the game you ran, mm-hmm. and that was kind of it.
1: Huh. So I, I want to say this, but were you obviously aware of Call of Cthulhu as a role-playing game Oh, long yeah, before? Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's funny because mm, I was at. I, I, a, I
1: should clarify. I said that not to disparage your knowledge of games, but it, no. it's it's very interesting how sometimes we'll often say, "Well, obviously everybody knows about Space Master," and some go, "What? What? What's that? Space Master?" Yeah, that's the space version of Rollmaster. No, you didn't know that. I didn't you know, know Space Master. Not everybody knows this stuff, and it's not like you... good, bad, or different. But depending on what gaming circles you run in, what's... you may not have known. So anyway, I keep...
0: feel like I'm missing out. Where's Space Master? You're not. You're not missing out. Anyway, no. carry
1: on. So, so, you were aware of it?
0: I was aware of it. I was growing up with it. I don't and I might have known it tangentially. Um, I don't, none of us played Call of Cthulhu growing up, not in our group. And then I don't know anybody else in town that played it. But even well, up to getting back, so I had a gap right in role mm-hmm. playing games yep. for a while. And when I came back, we were playing three, five, three, oh, three, five, and even one of my, Friend's sons is playing that. He just turned, Gotta see, 23 or 24. He with him and his when well, they were in like high school still, there he said that, well, I, I can't play DD with you guys because my friends are coming over and one of them's running call of Cthulhu. Okay. And I kind of just, you know, blew that off. That was before I'd ever played. Even before Royce. And so uh, I thought, huh, that's weird. Those guys so, would rather play Call of Cthulhu than d d That's strange.
1: So did you know what Call of Cthulhu was as far as like, it, did you know it as a horror role-playing game? Did you know about the mythos? Did you know about H.P. Lovecraft? What did you know about the game? I
0: know that everybody dies and everybody goes insane.
1: Was that probably Which a, prob-
0: probably probably a turn-off? It probably was to some degree. Like, wow, that doesn't seem very exciting.
1: <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it, seriously. It's, it's goofy, but I have been at at yeah, cons and game shops, this one goes, I'll pick up Cthulhu. Yeah, I've heard about that game. And some snarky gamer go, Oh yeah, you just go crazy and die. That's what happens to everybody. And the gamer, you see the new budding gamer look look at you like, oh, that's fucking stupid. And they go to slide it back and I say, There's a lot more to it than that. Have you read horror stories and gaming and I do know anything about HP Lovecraft? No, well, here in the book, there's the free, you know, version of the Call Cthulhu story, blah, blah, blah. Like Oh, oh, that does sound interesting. It's investigative. You're trying to find something, save stuff. Oh, okay, okay. And it is very, it's cliche for gamers to uh, mockingly say, you always go crazy and die. Um, but it's not a really good way to bring people in. No, it's not. <laughs> it's, like,
0: that's what, as, as many times as I've heard that, they should just put it on the front of the book.
1: Yeah. that's Call yeah. it
0: Cthulhu, lose your mind and die.
1: Yeah race to the race to the grave go
0: crazy and die how fun is that
1: so that probably didn't draw you to it so when you first played it with Royce and then with me were you
0: I'm gonna die and I'm gonna go insane
1: okay did did you look at that like well foregone conclusion I mean did that so I guess what part of when you played those couple times with Royce and then with me made you want like it enough or get into it enough what did you what did you unearth about the game That made you think, oh, it's more than that, and it scratches a gaming itch that D&D doesn't for me.
0: Okay. I will answer that question, but hold on. There is one other time I played this game. Oh, cool. Okay. Gary Khan. Yeah? uh, Murder on the Love Boat. Oh. D20. That was- D20 Call
1: Cthulhu. Dead Game Society.
0: Yeah, because it was out of print. Yeah, yeah. Monty Cook
1: did that one. Yes, he did. You so I did play it that.
0: then, but that was a mashup of The Love Boat and Call
1: Cthulhu. Okay.
0: And then I think I played then I played it again at Gary Khan with uh Nightmare on Sesame Street. Yeah. Same thing, D twenty Call Cthulhu.
1: With I must admit those are probably a campier less serious.
0: Right. <laughs> That's true. Well, kinda. Like we it got pretty
1: gory for Sesame Street. Yeah, but it's still fucking Sesame Street, dude.
0: Well, Yes, you're right. and But at the same time, Michael was like, look, if there was a kid at the table, he's like, this is not a kid game. And he would ask him to leave. Fair. Okay. Yeah. But no, I see what you're saying. Yes, there is qu- quite a bit of levity when you're talking about the love boat and Sesame Street. Mm. And there was another... I think, I think that was it. I thought there was another one, but maybe not. So you dabbled a bit. You dabbled a bit. So going to your question... What was it again? <laughs> I should probably rewind it.
1: No, what? In short, what drew you back to it? Why are you oh. you you? Was it the latest game you ran? Was it something like, oh, this offers opportunity to do X that I I can't get somewhere else? Where it seems to focus on why? And I'm not trying to lead you to do a thing, but what what the hell is it about Call Cthulhu? Where you're like, no, I want to play this game. I want to run this game. I want to own this game.
0: So the time that – because Royce and your games were a little bit different than, like, Michael's, obviously. So I really genuinely wanted to give Call of Cthulhu a fair shake. As a matter of fact, if I wanted to play d and i just go play D&D with the group that I'm already running for, right? It's kind of one of those things. Yeah. So, I like, when I go to a con, I want to play games I usually don't get the opportunity to play, typically. Fair. And, and so with that game day, I could have played Adventurer's League or D&D, but – I don't want to go to a game store. I do that every
1: day. Why would I I do that now?
0: Exactly. So I went that route. And then with you, you decided, and I think it was kind of, we brought it up, or I brought it up and said, hey, I would really like to play that game because I have it. I haven't run it. Yeah, and
1: we talked gumshoe on the show before. So, yeah, okay.
0: So those were really where it stemmed, and then it just, that was kind of it until Gary Khan 11 or whatever the hell it is this past March.
1: So something there broke you, broke your well, mind or or made you realize something.
0: I think that in my uh experience, I think Call of Cthulhu leads itself to be more cuz you're it, it isn't it isn't a tactical game, right? As much as like Pathfinder or some other ones Role No, Master. it's not. No, it's not. It's not hack and slash cuz typically if you, that's another thing that they should put under the subtitle is, you know, you can try, try fight, try combat and die, or whatever. Yeah, you
1: could try to hack and slash your way through it. Good luck for that.
0: Right. And so I think it leads itself to a little bit more role playing, even if you're not fully immersive. Like the um, like the previous show, we kind of mentioned. You can still play Call of Cthulhu without getting into character and different voices. You just don't have a choice other than to play out your character because you're taking on a different role. The classes are. How do you differentiate a dilettante with you know an, an uh an antique
1: dealer? Yeah, you have, right. You have an antique dealer who's a dilettante and uh she moves in high society and right. somewhere at the same party is a librarian right who happens to know somebody who blah blah blah, and lo and behold, your great uncle's dead. You didn't even realize you're related and right. you gotta deal with this problem.
0: Right. So there isn't like, well, I'm fighter and they're cleric, and we put our minds together and we go off an adventuring party and collect loot and build a kingdom or whatever it is putting forth in front of us. You kind of, it's
1: got that. Well, depending on the the problems at hand, um, and this is going to sound like, no, so I think I'll, I'll say this right now is yes, you can have these same experiences playing any number of games. Yes, right. I'm talking specifically now about what Sean is feeling, what he's thinking about this game, and why he wants Brett it. Brett
0: is going to tell you how, how, what I'm feeling.
1: No, I'm not. I want, <laughs> I want Sean to tell me this. Oh, okay. So uh, the cool thing, though, is that like if... Yeah, you're right. In a D&D or, or a class-based game like that, where you say, hey, a, a fighter, a cleric, a mage, a thief, walk into a bar, you know, how, how they're going to... The types of challenges you can expect and so forth. I think one of the things that's probably cool... I know it was for me anyway, coming to Cthulhu the first time from a gaming perspective was the types of challenges were different. Yes. And because I couldn't say, well, I just pull up my sidearm and shoot the fucking zombie. I shoot the ghoul. I shoot the vampire. I shoot the star spawn. I shoot the, you know, flaming, whatever. And it doesn't do anything. Right. You're like, holy crap. And you see somebody else get shot and you're like, wow, he's in the hospital for a month because he shot or he's dead. (laughs) You know, mortality is a big damn thing. It's it's dangerous and scary, and you don't want to get in those gunfights, right? So I think it's um, it's cool to come to something like this, and it, it's going to be new. Yes, which I think probably does that scratch the um, morning. Does this, this get to the whole wonderment thing that you and I have talked about in the past? you get to experience something new again?
0: Yeah, it not only is it wonderment as in oh, it's new and maybe a little more fresh, it's also WTF, right? Like what is going on here? It's Cthulhu. It's Cthulhu. Yay. Random and you know, oh, you're, you're insane here. Let me roll a percentile. Okay. This is what you do. And then you can start, you can also mess with the characters minds. Even as a game master. Mm -hmm. So you could say, Hey, you hear this. Okay, great. I tell everybody. And then nobody else hears it. But it's but you hear it. You hear it. It's there.
1: You're positive. There's rats you're getting positive. the walls. Yeah, yes.
0: there's yeah, there's stuff climbing around and you're like, you know, there's something down the hallway. Well, you go down there, there's nothing there. You go around with your friend. You go down there alone, it's there. You go down with your friend, it's there's nothing there.
1: Yeah. Ah, uh, maddening.
0: Yeah, exactly. But it's though but it's not like Oh, this is a oh, party of goblins. Got it. Uh d 6 damage. They're probably going to have uh, six hit points. Yep. Their armor class is uh, 12.
1: Yeah. A lot of the challenges are going to be different than that. And right. when you talk about role-playing, it sounds like you're talking about no, not only just an opportunity to interact with NPCs, but also the player characters as well. Yeah. Because your character has a perspective and so forth, and to get the maximum fun out of this investigative scenario, you're going to want to play the dilettante to the hilt or as close to the hilt as you can get it, even if you're interviewing, you know, a beat cop or you're talking to the librarian or you're um, doing whatever, you've got a little bit more. Okay, so you feel like it just, for your bang for the buck, you feel like you'll get more role-playing opportunity out of it.
0: Yeah, I totally yeah. think so.
1: I mean, it is definitely, it's driven more, toward it's less combat-based, at least in right. my opinion, you know, yeah. Are there um in well, and there, now? there there is Sorry, and there's a on.
0: sense there's a sense of mystery and, and a sense of unknown. So there is a, I mean that that piece itself is also refreshing.
1: Cool, very cool.
0: Right. It's like Did watching you- the thing. You might know what's going on, but it's still going on.
1: Yeah, I get it. Yeah, I know this. We all could go crazy and die, but. There's a chance we couldn't, and somebody's right.
0: And somebody's going to be the creature. Could be. Not sure which one
1: <laughs> or why. Is um, what was I was going to say. So you played. So now I think it's often referred, or not often, but I'm seeing it referred to as classic Call of Cthulhu is editions one through six, which, for my money, are pretty much the same damn game. Um, there's not a whole lot of change to them. Seven is the most drastic departure did you did you pick seven simply versus you have trail and stuff did you pick seven simply because it's the latest incarnation
0: yes and no okay yes i did well i should say yes and yes yes i did and yes because i had heard it's the best edition that's been out ah Uh, trail trail aside but all the editions of call cthulhu my understanding from even folks that are Call of Cthulhu aficionados.
1: I've heard say
0: the set the, the the changes that they made in seventh have made it the best iteration up to now.
1: The biggest complaints I've heard are the are the ability to luck the luck option and pushing dice and modifying things. Um, like my buddy Lenny's like, ah, you made it wussy.
0: Well, I think though you, th- you should fail more often. But that, I thought, that I thought goes there to was a, there was a couple that that's like optional, and I can't remember if it's pushing. Anyway. Yeah.
1: Okay. So are you um what you what you've read so far? Do you like what you what you're reading? Does it seem to live up to what you'd hoped?
0: Yeah, for the most part. It, a lot of the rules don't come as a big surprise. It's not an overly complex system in my opinion. Um I've had basic role playing. Like I have that I used to have the yellow book. I can't yep. remember if I gave that away or I sold it or what. I
1: think I still have my copy somewhere.
0: Yeah, I'd have to... I think I got rid of mine because I just was never going to use it. But I knew a, from just that book itself, I'm like, oh, it's all percentile. And you roll under and then you <laughs> click if you you check it if you miss. And then you get a chance to yep. update it. So some of the nuances, because most of the times that I've played are all usually one shots. Like I'm not leveling up all my... My tunes after it's done. So well, that's
1: another difference in call of Cthulhu is the leveling up perspective doesn't happen the same. Right? I mean As, it's not like a D twenty game. No, right? no, no, no. Where no. you're a level two investigator, which is one of the pe- things people um when they when D twenty Call of Cthulhu came out, people railed against it in front of me anyway. How can you be a level five investigator? That's just fucking stupid. rah rah rah. rah. But you you weren't leveled, you had Seventy percent, 75 percent, ninety percent or whatever. But the um and it, it it treats characters differently from that perspective, right? You're not waiting to level up and looking to maximize that character sheet type of thing. Right. You're looking to gain knowledge to hopefully either stave off insanity or gain just enough insanity. But whatever, you're trying to find something and it's more about an accumulation of knowledge. And what you can do with that knowledge than it is about getting the uh, magic sword or getting an armor class bump or getting a new magic, a new magic power or whatever it is, which is, which can be kind of refreshing. If that's a, if that's a style of gaming you've been doing for a while to step away from that, I could see this being refreshing too.
0: Yeah. I would not run call. I would like to run masks for, that's a no brainer. That's on my to buy list. Um, especially the one that just came out in 2018, the new, mm. I'd like to get it, the sleeve full edition. Oh yeah. I'd like to run it in person. Um, there is like one, I think that you can get some of the props or whatever, but I think it comes with the sleeved edition, all the handouts, but I would probably run that one full campaign. I don't know if I would do, what is it? Nightmare on the Orient Express or whatever. Yeah. I mean, some, something or even, um, I know there's a few others,
1: well, there's a bunch of them,
0: yeah. I would like to do one campaign like that, like masks, and then call it a day. Like, I, I wouldn't, I'm not looking to have one person play a character forever in every Call of Cthulhu game I ever run. Like, it's a very set defined
1: story, yes. Even my, if even if experience.
0: I ran one adventure, even if I ran like one simple module adventure, I would, I would want it to be like then and done.
1: Yeah, I have. I've seen that a lot. I do that when I have run a campaign. It's like after the end of that campaign, those characters are retired. Yeah, and then when I come back to that setting, whether it's a different point in history or whenever I've come back to um, Trail of Cthulhu with my group, the characters that were in the bookhounds game—they are in the world, but they're not. They don't play those characters anymore. Those yeah, characters I, are retired. That's the
0: way I would do it. Like I would use them as NPCs. You know, maybe one. Who lasted and was the craziest sanity wise? Well, they're that's off how you get the deep end. That's later. how you get your
1: Henry Armitages and stuff in Miskatonic University. That's the guy who survived the Dunwich Horror. Right. And as the professor, he has seen a lot and he's there now and he knows a bunch of shit. You can take those characters and, you know, Old Harvey and Lady Lily and, you know, Miss Mary, they've survived <laughs> the pack of five of them. There's only those three left. And they may even be the second or third character that player played, but. Those two ladies and that and that guy, those are the three that the new characters can go to to ask questions of because they've seen something similar. Right. Which is kind of cool. You can build up your own you know, kind of, uh, what do I want to say, uh, a black book of uh, investigator names that people can look up periodically. So that's kind of cool. That's a good idea. I like doing it that way. I know some people don't do it that way, but that's my preferred method as well. Yeah. That's what I would do. So, do you have um, do you have designs to run this soon or?
0: Well, so the tomb of annihilation is still in play. The guys from in the edge of the empire weekend game, I'm not going to ditch them in that game. I mean, it's, it's still starting out, and I, which reminds me, I got to put that out on a calendar. But I do have docs group that we meet every two weeks. I don't know. Do you think Jimmy, do Jimmy. It? Well, Jimmy will play anything. I think pretty much. Um, Josh is your typical kind of D and D guy. The only thing that I'm worried about with with Josh is that I think I think it was him where he mentioned modern games don't necessarily appeal to him because he doesn't. Now I know Call of Cthulhu isn't necessarily modern, but it does take place in the 20s or 30s, or I mean, you could do Delta Green, even modern day. Um, and I don't know if that setting world setting appeals to him specifically doc i don't know if he would be interested or not i Hmm. don't but i think it would be different enough where if i ran out if i um, rolled out masks that it may be something unless it's like i don't want to do that genre
1: masks is big dude it's long it's not like two sessions three sessions five sessions It'll take you a year right it's a big, it's a big fucker.
0: Yeah, we play every two weeks for about yeah. four hours at a time. So I would, I mean, that's the thing, though. I mean, here we go. Like, buckle up. Here's the deal.
1: It's, yeah, I think what you're doing there, that's that is key with a game like a Call of Cthulhu when it's a big, a big switch, something that people haven't done before. Right. The first time I ran. Dungeon Crawl Classics for my home group. But it's, oh, it's racist class, uh, blah, blah, blah. It's back me. I said, no, listen, this is how this works. I leveraged um, Alpha would also read the rules. We said, look, here's an example of how magic works. Here's an example of how combat works. Here's an example of criticals and fumbles. Oh, are you willing to sign up for this? Yes, we will try that. Yes, we understand what we're getting into. We'll go. Knocking down, because a couple of the guys in the group had preconceived notions that were wrong for dungeon crawl classics they thought it would be X and it is not right what they thought it was at all it's something totally different after they were done a couple of one of those guys said oh that was cool not what i thought it would be at first like you said but hey i had fun another gentleman said not what i thought it would be and i didn't enjoy it all that much so if you run it again count me out blah 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 but i think um for a departure it's critical to uh to tell your group and really set the expectation what it is and and explain it as you're talking about doing. I think that's yeah. critical. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean we've played in that group we've played Shadowrun, I've run Dungeon World, but it was only a couple of sessions. I've run I mean they we have played 5e, Pathfinder, Star Trek Adventures. Did I miss anything? They have played Savage Worlds um together and Savage
1: riffs. and then uh it's, just, it's one of those games, though, where you can, you don't necessarily, aren't rolling tons and tons of dice, right? There's no combat, yep. there's no fights, there's action. The action is different. It's the uh, thrill of the chase for knowledge, which is not, oh, it's not Pulp Indiana Jones against Cthulhu, this is different type of thing. Yeah. Do you have any intention of reading any of the novels or short stories that Lovecraft wrote?
0: I have been inspired. Now, I've had the, I think I've had a um, Lovecraft collection that I picked up really cheap at half price books. And I started reading one of the tales, and I can't remember which one it was.
1: Um, there are some decent ones on Audible, um, iTunes, and, and so forth for yeah. audiobook wise that are not that expensive.
0: Well, they shouldn't be because they're.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm just saying yeah. you can get, there's audio drama ones that people have done, which are kind of fun. Um, I can't remember the name of the one group that did, but you pick some of the the classic ones called Cthulhu, Dunwich Horror, uh, Rats and Walls, stuff like that. But that helps kind of get your brain wrapped around the mood. Right. So cool.
0: Yeah. It has, it has tweaked my, my
1: uh, interest into Lovecraft. Sure. So you're gonna dump all the other games you have now, and you're just gonna be a Call Cthulhu guy for? Yeah, rest. yeah. I,
0: I dumped off a bunch of stuff at Noble Night.
1: Did you? Yeah,
0: I uh, the stuff that I had in my basement, and you guys came over.
1: Oh wow, you got not rid of not all,
0: bunch. not all of it. I kept. Well, there was a couple tomes that I was gonna sell on Google Plus, and then they were like Spirit of the Centuries, like going for fifty bucks or something crazy. Wow. And I'm like, well, I'm not taking that. Not yeah. selling that, and then I think. Uh, Star Trek Unic by Unicorn Games was like really up there in the price, and I'm like, well, I'll hold on to those because I'll just sell them outright instead of taking, and yeah, yeah, no, low balls, yeah. But I mean, it was like Monster Manual two, three.
1: Well, yeah, I mean that's just it's like, look, I got some crap in my collection. You're gonna give me a dollar for it or ten bucks? It's better than nothing.
0: Two complete adventure paths from Pathfinder mm-hmm. that were in pretty damn good condition. Pathfinder rulebook, Advanced Player's Guide. I think though it's like oh paranoia the newest one they got a pretty good deal i think oh yeah but anyways i got credit in noble knight now cool so
1: well man i'll tell you we don't have to drain this out much more it's it's interesting i i think it's cool that you're interested in it and it was wasn't like shocking to me because you're a good gamer you like lots of different things of you know we've talked about your collection what you've gained within the past but it's interesting sometimes to see why somebody likes something and um it, we often talk about what we don't like. <laughs> I was drawn. I was drawn away from this game because I can't stand these rules. I can't stand counting by four. I can't stand percentile dice. I can't stand. You know that's why I won't play a thing. But what's drawing you to it is interesting. One of the things I think is really cool is that you seeing it as opportunity for role playing and less fighty, punchy, stabby, more talky, talky is kind of yeah. cool. I think that's a. I I think it's a really good game to uh to get that focus because it's critical to it. Yeah, so that's the, pretty fall, cool.
0: the fall of Delta Green has not escaped my attention either. I'm li- no, I,
1: Delta Delta Green is a damn good that's yeah. a good I mean if you want to ratchet up, you want to do investigation with a little more gunplay, yeah. you go Delta Green. That's a good yeah. way to go. Yeah. Cool. All right man, I think we're good.
0: Yeah, there you go. Let's so, move
1: on. Yeah. All right. D roll. Yeah, I've just got my uh, Streets of Avalon actual play out there just because I want to make sure that Judge Brandon has a link. So that's there. Uh, Sean, you got a couple.
0: So the first one I have, David Sumner. Uh, He hit us up on Facebook to let us know about his project, which is called RPGSmith.com. Check it out. It's uh, free for one player. Um, in short, he says it's a character generator, but there's a little bit more to it. He, he, there's a video on there. You can take a look at, he has a Kickstarter to help raise funds for the GM campaign management side of the, uh, web software as a service piece coming the 22nd of March, 2019. So you'll have to check that out. Go there. There's a video. It'll show you kind of the lowdown of RPG Smith. I thought it was kind of interesting. We could all use good tools. Oh, yeah. Uh, Number two, uh, web app RPG encounters. So add or edit NPCs into encounters and then run your role-playing game. Uh, Wherever you go, you'll have encounters. So another tool for you to take a look at. I think that one's more 5e, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, but I mean we we've talked about in the past, you know, guys having boxes of uh, three and a half by five index cards and stuff. This is just an, uh, elect- an organized electronic version of that. Good to have.
0: Yeah, uh, and then the last one, more grave miscellany, uh, launched on Drive Through RPG. This is by Keith Baker, uh, Rudy Rutenberg, um, I think Sean was Sean Merwin in there. There's a yes. few. Yeah. So if you go Keith, to Drive, Ru-
1: uh, Rudy, Greg Mark, Sean Merwin, and Derek Neckertz. Yeah. So
0: that's an Eberron product um, that helps complement the Wayfinders guide that was launched. And so um, check that out. It's to breathe more life and lore into the campaign setting now released for play with fifth edition DD. So I'm a big, I'm an Eberron fan cool yeah there you can learn more about eberron and
1: more gray miscellany very neat
0: yeah so that's it for this week boys and goyles
1: yeah i don't know what we're going to talk about next week i'm sick i'm tired i'm going to go take a nap
0: well one thing i would like to do well what does that show i ran into my neighbor did you Vic- victor in, in... victor my neighbor
1: victor oh okay sorry yes
0: so, Vic, if for I think I mentioned him on the show before. He is part of the part of the pedal throne. He is yes the M A R Barker. Yeah, the there's some organization though. Like he's on the Tuk- board. Tecumel. Yes, the Tecumel Society. That's what it is. So I am. I think uh, I want to talk to Victor about potentially being on the show. And since he can just walk across the street. I'd have to get like another microphone set up.
1: but I have uh, your spare mic sitting on my desk right here. I could deliver well, it back to you.
0: I have a mic. Okay. But I'm missing a set of cans. I think I, you, have, you have my I cans. I
1: have one, but I can get them back to you get your spare set. Yeah.
0: So I was thinking about talking cans, to Cans Victor. or headphones, just cans, so people know. Yes, headphones, not actual cans. Um, But I was thinking about talking to him about Empire of the Pedal Throne.
1: That would be interesting because I know- Fuck all about Empire of the right. Throne. <laughs> Neither do I. And it's one of those pieces where people mention, wow, huh, And so that's all I, about? And I, that, bl-
0: I believe it came, did it come out before D&D, like official d and I don't know. I do not know. There honestly. was something like that. Like, M.A. Barker was, and I'm pretty sure Victor, he might have studied under him in college. So I think he knows, he That'd knew be pretty him. cool. Yeah, so there's a connection there. So I don't know if I can get that next week or not, but we shall, I'd like to put it on the, to, uh, one of the to-do topics.
1: Cool. Yeah. Throw it out there. If you can make it happen, I'll be happy to talk to him. All right. Because that's, that's one of those things like we said before when we talked about this one. I'm like, I don't know anything about that. I should Mate. know something about This is like, like I said, did you know about Call of Cthulhu before? i like, obviously. Did you know about Empire of the Parallel Throne? Obviously. What's it about? I have no idea. Yeah. I
0: don't know if I knew
1: it before I met Victor, actually. Excuse me. Yeah, I I remember there's so many things I remember being aware of insofar as I saw the ads or placement or mention in a Dragon magazine back in the 80s or 90s about these types of things, these settings, these worlds or whatever, and I just never knew anything else about it.
0: It was self-published in 74, and TSR released it in a box set in 75.
1: Huh, cool. Yeah. Neat. So. Well, if we can't make that happen, we'll come up with something else. We'll come up with something else. There you go. Well, all right. I'm Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night and good game and all. Get
0: better, Brett. Thanks, Sean. This episode of Gaming NBS brought to you with the help from the following BSers. Graham Miner Corey Wynn Andy Hall Hawk Sparrow Larry Hout Mark Tasaka, Pure Mongrel C.W. Mellencamp Chris Steele Ron Bishop Thomas Hook Wayne Humphrey Craig Brandon Barnes Laramie Wall Dan LaValley Jason Hobbs Sky Roger Braslett John Hammersley Old School DM Perry Besore Michael Dinos Jim Fitzpatrick Christopher Gray Bruce Cunnington John Coward Corey Gonzalez Eileen Barnes Robert Nemeth Maurice Niall Diamond Angus, Howard Bishop, Stefan Dragonspawn, Mark Antony Benedetti, Eric Salzwedel, Trevor Davis, The Closet Gamer, Jeff Goad, Aaron Coleman, Chad Gleyman, Finolf, Merkel Merkle Freulich, Lord Tentacle, Joe Swick, Curtis Takahashi, Josh Wallace, Kevin Lovecraft, Andy Olson, and Tony Sugarloaf Baker. For ways to support the show, head over to GamingNBS.com forward slash support dash us. Thanks, BSers! This, this has been a Litterbox, Litterbox Studio Production.
2: Production. <laughs>